can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. G'day folks, welcome back to Mondays Down Under. I'm Peter from Australia, joined by Shane from New Zealand. G'day Shane, how you doing? G'day Peter, yeah, pretty good in yourself? Pretty much knackered, I've got to say. It's been a big couple of weeks, lead up to Christmas, uh, busiest season I've ever seen in all my years in the trade. So uh, I'm looking forward to a good, relaxing couple of days off at Christmas. How about yourself? Things picking up? Yeah, I mean, yeah, this week has been pretty full on. Um, quite a lot of service work involved. There's, um, there's been a few dive repair jobs. Um, mm. Clients calling up. The pools have been leaking for the last couple of months. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're starting to lose even more water now. And it's typical. They call up you know, a week or two before Christmas. Can you get it fixed before Christmas? So, yeah. Same old story every year. But, Absolutely. Uh, I always look forward to the Christmas Christmas Eve phone calls. Last year I had one, 2.30 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Guy, never heard of him, not a regular customer, first-time caller. And he said, oh, g'day, mate. My pool's gone green. I need it sorted for Christmas. I said, that's tomorrow. He says, yeah, that's all right. I'm home now. I said, I'm fully booked. He said, oh, I've just come out after your last job. And I said, no, my last job is literally last job. It's in the name. Mm. And then this clown said, oh, well, you can pop around first thing tomorrow if that's easier. I said, no, I don't work Christmas Day. That's off limits. Then he started getting aggressive and tried to bully me around, which which never really works well. And finally he said, oh, I'm, you've ruined our Christmas and I'm telling my kids that you're to blame. I said, oh, so you'd rather ruin mine, would you? Yeah, see ya. I've got to finish my job. Mm-hmm. Some people are just, I'm increasingly living by the motto of a lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. Yes. Great, great thing to live by. It was the same today. I had a client call me up. Um, it's Saturday here now. Just going out doing a little bit of shopping. Client calls me up. Oh, my pool's been leaking for the last two years. Um, we've had two <laughs> two service companies um, come out and look at it. Uh, they can't find where it's leaking. Are you able to help me? It would be good if we can get this done before Christmas. So, you know, I like a challenge, but you know, that's it's kind of taking the piss a little bit. You know, more than a little bit before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll they. Uh, I have one customer, he's got two pools, saw them yesterday afternoon. One of them, he needs a new filter, chlorinator. Uh, he's got a pump that needs reinstalling, mm-hmm. uh, needs a new light. His other one's a fiberglass pool. Uh, and I walked into his yard and he's drained it 
And I said, you fill that thing back up with water now before it collapses. And he said, oh, we need to get the dirt out first. I said, no, we can deal with that when it's full of water. It's going to be easier mm -hmm. when it's full. Just get that thing filled up. Because yeah. if that collapses, it's so close to his house, if the sand starts displacing, there's every possibility it's going to bring part of the house down with it. Wow. So he said, oh, I'll get onto that on the weekend. I said, no, there's a hose there. Stick it in the pool now and get water into it. Uh, I've seen fiberglass shells collapse inwards and it's, yes. it's never pretty and it's never a cheap thing to fix. No, definitely not. So... Uh, How's the uh, how's the water pressure in the ground around the pool at this stage? Uh he's up fairly elevated, so that's not a not too bad. Well, that's good. Uh, but the other problem is he's got one of the in the eighties. It was popular here to have these big uh, granite rock waterfalls and oh, yes. bloody things because they're held together with mortar, which leaks after a few years. And this yeah. one was forty odd years old, and with those tons of weight of rock on the edge of the pool. That's not going to help the structure. No, definitely not on a fiberglass pool. No, uh, not good. So um, I said I'm not even touching it till it's full. Mm. I'll swing past there later and see if he's uh, taken my advice. But uh, we were talking the other day about ionisers. And I don't know about New Zealand, but have you seen an increase in the number of ionisers going in? Uh, yeah, most definitely. Um, when I started in the industry, um, there were a few out there, you know, a few far between. Um, but I'd say in the last couple of years, they've definitely picked up without a doubt. Um, yeah, they seem to be very, very good uh, chlorinating systems. Um, the mm -hmm. clients seem to be very, very happy with them as well. So um, there's a, a all-rounder. Yeah, they seem to be very, very good. I haven't installed any myself as of yet. Um, but, yeah, definitely a, a much higher demand at this stage. What about yourself? Yeah. I've noticed the same here. I think part mm. of it is because the um, Australian standard 3633 covered uh, pool water treatment, pool water chemistry. Right. And that standard was actually repealed. It's being updated or there's an update pending. And in there, one of the things it said was that copper-based algicides were not recommended for pools. Right. And I've heard that a lot. I'll use copper as an algicide very, very rarely, mm -hmm. but I do use it. Um, I've had problems with customers where they just put way too much in. Yes. Uh, another thing is there's a, uh, a copper sulfate tablet available here, has been for years, and people... A lot of people will just keep one of those in the skimmer until it dissolves, then they'll put another one in the skimmer. So right. their copper levels can be way, way too high. Yeah. And back in the day uh, before we had self-cleaning chlorinator cells, the old non-self-cleaning cells, they used to actually get copper plated by this stuff. Okay. Uh, electrolysis is how they used to do metal plating. They still do in some industries, I believe. Yep. And what would happen is they'd go to certain pool shops that knew there was good money to be made in it. They would sell them this copper, knowing that it would destroy their cell, so they'd go in for a new cell. But the copper in the water didn't significantly reduce, so their new cell would get copper-plated, 
and lose functionality. Oh my gosh. And there were a couple of them there who um, uh, I was building pools at the time and people said, oh, this chlorinator is rubbish. And I'd take a water sample, test it, and say, well, your copper level's through the roof. Mm. You're destroying your copper plating your cell. Yes. Um, and they'd go and have a go, a go at the guy at the uh, pool shop. But he he owned about four pool shops in the area and he was really, really dodgy. If ever a a woman who of an age who could reasonably ex- be expected to have young kids, he'd do the test, look at the printout and then say, gee, this water's unsafe. I wouldn't let my kids swim in it. They could get sick. Put the fear of God into the poor woman and just rip them off for all sorts of stuff they didn't need. Uh, now, I've got no problem making money from selling stuff. That's why I'm in business. But to do so in such an unethical way, that takes the standard of the whole industry down. There seems to be a lot of products that we can't use with ionisers as well, I've seen. Yeah. Um, well, the way the ionisers work, well, there are actually three different types. Uh, that we see over here, you get one which is basically a inline feeder, and you put your little ion rods in there, and they dissolve over time. I've never found them to be particularly effective. Then you get the ones that put a low current of voltage through it, and they'll release copper and silver ions, and they're positively charged. Copper and silver metals always are. Got an audience there, have you? My little boy just ran into the room screaming his head off, so I had to put it on mute. Still listening. <laughs> I can relate completely. Ah, oh, the joys of kids. Yeah. And these pos- positive ions uh, bond with negative ions in algae, bacteria, things like that. So mm. that's effectively how they how they work. But because you've got these metals in the water and because you've got these little electrode rods of ions, there are a few things that they recommend you don't use with it. Mm. So one big thing is cyanuric acid. Yes. A lot of them say don't use cyanurates. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen cyan- uh, copper cyanurate in a pool. Um, I don't think I have, actually. Right, little purple crystals. No, no, I haven't seen that one. Okay. Uh, I've seen it just a few times, not a common thing. Yes. And they're purple and they're crystals and they look almost like little clusters. And when they're disturbed, say if you try to brush or try to scoop, they just break up into this uh, the very fine precipitate. It, it looks mm. almost like uh, almost like mist and then right. reclumps together again. So that's never a good look. Um, a funny story about pools going purple. I once had a customer back in the early days of mineral salts yeah. And he decided he wanted mineral salts. I said, look, not a lot's known about them at this stage. I said, I'd leave it a year or two to see the, the research on it. No, 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 he insisted. So he ordered a couple of bags of magnesium for his pool, mm-hmm. got it there, emptied it in, and the pool went purple, like a deep oh purple colour. Oh the water was still very, very clear. And I said... I have no idea what's happened. I said, tell me what's printed on the bag. He'd actually bought manganese rather than magnesium. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, he turned his pool completely purple. Wow. 
the other literally just added a whole ton of metals into the pool. Yeah, and manganese, he just got the name wrong. So um, complete drain and refill. Uh, I've also seen pools go purple. Once a guy had neighbours, a customer had neighbours that he didn't get along with, and they threw potassium permanganate crystals in. Right. Remember the old toothpaste commercials where they'd have a beaker of, of purpley blue liquid and they'd put the piece of chalk in to show how this toothpaste gets mm-hmm. into the tooth? That's potassium permanganate. Well, so that's okay. pretty wild. And I once had a customer, they had a colour run party in their backyard for the kids. You know where they run through all this dust and crap being thrown? Yeah, and yeah. Up the so um, <laughs> that was an interesting one as well. But um, the other thing to avoid is bromine compounds. That's, that's one right. of the other things. Um, that forms a precipitate that is kind of a, a bluey-green colour. Um has some industrial uses, but not what we want in a pool. Uh, copper seems to react, and silver also, but there's a lot less mm-hmm. silver than copper in these pools. Yeah. Um, that's another thing. Uh, sodium carbonate, soda ash, they don't recommend that. Yeah. Because another precipitation reaction, it forms a very light blue, almost a baby blue or powder blue, uh, well, precipitate powder in the water and again more solids and it's consuming the copper that you're trying to actually use they also say don't use granular chlorine on some of them right okay and as far as i can tell i haven't found a reaction between copper and calcium hypochlorite but when you've got dichlor or trichlor obviously you bring the cyanurates in yes so that can cause the problem interesting one that I really had to look up uh, there's one big brand here of uh, ionizers they say don't use forms of zeolite filtration media mm-hmm. because the zeolite holds onto the metals and forms a metallozeolite so you're basically just wasting the copper that you're adding into the pool right okay so a few little things you need to watch out with that yeah most definitely yeah uh, mm. Settings is something you've got to get right because you don't want yes. too much copper. You don't want your pool you know, staining if you oxidize copper oxide. Uh, again, I've had to deal with copper oxide staining, which can be a dark yes. blue or black stain on the pool. Yeah. Uh, fiberglass pool, not difficult to remove. I normally use oxalic acid. Uh, okay. That's very effective against it. Yeah. Not so easy on a rendered pool or a tiled pool where you've got grout. Uh, never, would, it would make its way into the grounds. Seems to. Seems to permanently stain it. Mm. And you can use your chelating agents and, and so forth to rip the metals out. Yes. But like all of these problems, the best solution is to just avoid the problem in the first place. Yeah. Keep it to a bare minimum. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. What is the um, uh, recommended levels in uh, Western Australia for copper? Ask 10 different people, you get 11 different opinions. Uh, I've heard everything from one part per million down to no, you must have no copper in the pool whatsoever. Right. But ionizer manufacturers, most of the ones that I do, you're looking at 0.2 to 0.5 parts per million of copper. Yeah. Uh, and they don't recommend testing the silver. 
So we're talking mm -hmm. a very slight trace amount. Now, That's the same in New Zealand as well. Yeah, and see the Australia New Zealand standards are very similar. Um, They're often the same document. Uh, more than likely, yeah. Uh, you get AS slash NZS, and then right. the number. Yeah, yeah. Um, the copper and silver aren't enough on their own to oxidize impurities in the water, so they do require a small amount of chlorine. Mm -hmm. Again, most manufacturers recommend about the 0.5 part per million level of chlorine. Uh, an increasing number of them have the ion rods with the copper and silver and an electrolytic cell for producing yes. chlorine from salt in the water. Uh, pH 7.2 to 7.6. Mm -hmm. High pH can affect the reading you get from copper on some tests. Uh, total alkalinity, 80 to 150. Uh, so bicarbonates, sodium bicarbonate is fine to use in a pool. Mm -hmm. Just avoid the sodium carbonate. Yes. Uh, calcium hardness is another one. You don't really want to go above about 250 parts per million. Right, okay. The, uh, the chlorine level, you were saying that they should be around the lower, uh, the free chlorine level should be a lot lower, 0 0.5 to 1. Usually, zero to zero point five. I, I would never zero run it on zero, uh, mm. but zero point two to zero point five. I think is a good, a good level to have. And how how do you find that in the peak of summer? Um, client has no pool cover, um, and you're not allowed to input any cyanuric acid into the water. Are you finding that it's still, it's still pretty stable from your one visit to the next. It can be tricky on the uh, visits where they're monthly services. Yes. But all the monthly services we have, I tell the customer, look, if you want your pool to remain swimmable, you need to do at very least a pH and chlorine test, mm -hmm. at least weekly. Yes. Also, whenever there's a change. So if the weather changes, it suddenly starts raining heavily or you get a heat wave, that's something to look for. Mm -hmm. If you've had a a party with 20 kids peeing in the pool. That's a time to check your levels. Yes. Um, and I tell them it's much cheaper and easier for you to do that check. And if you've got a question, give me a call rather than having to pay me to come out to do a green pool recovery. Yeah. But I have very few problems with pools going green with the ionizers in them. Oh, okay, good. Alerts. Uh, I did have a pool recently where there was mustard algae in an ionizer pool. Yes. Uh, which I hadn't seen before. So I'm getting hundreds of messages coming through here. The uh, American crowd on the podcast, uh, <laughs> they must be bored or something because they're, they're chatting. Oh, all I think the they're, they're probably having their Christmas party and drinking a few uh, drinking a few cheeky ones. Yes, why not? I'll be doing that in about a week from now.
convert that for our American friends. That's about 76 gallons per minute. Wow. So a little bit more than a one horsepower pump will circulate. Yes. That's great circulation. It's, it's fantastic. Mm. Uh, there are some lower, some higher. Obviously, the big commercial ones do a lot more if you're putting it in. I put one in recently into a uh, about a half or half size Olympic pool. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they push a crazy amount of water around. Yes. Um, but the other thing with the ionizers, low salt. Yes. Uh, and low TDS. So TDS 800 to 1,200 parts per million, of which the salt or mineral salt should only be 500 to 700. Oh, wow. So compare that to the three to 5,000 give or take PPM of salt you'd have in most chlorinators. Uh, my own chlorinator runs on 1,000 parts per million. There's one on the market here that is designed for 900 parts per million. Yes. Spoke about them in a uh, episode on salt pools. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it was a few weeks ago now. Yep. But they're really the major, major considerations I find with the ionizers. Uh, and you just have to train the customer not to start messing with settings. Uh, a lot of them now come with their own water sample bottle in case they want to take a sample to the pool shop. And it's got all of those things I've just pointed out. You know, don't use this, don't use that. These are the levels that are printed on that bottle mm-hmm. in case the pool shop technician isn't familiar with them. Yeah. Uh, one of the advantages <laughs> we've got doing the mobile service out to people's homes, we can see what equipment they've got. We can see the condition of their pool. Uh, yes. A lot of customers go into a pool shop without knowing what equipment they've got. So the pool shop technician's just running blind half the time. Yeah, yeah. That's got to be a tough gig. It sure is, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I used to work in a um, my previous employment. Um, they, had a pool, they had a pool shop there and uh, everybody would bring their, bottles, their sample bottles in to get them tested. And there was a huge amount of people that would come in and um, they'd be asked, oh, you know what, what are you running? You know, are you running a soap chlorinator? You know, what brand, what model is it? What's your parts per million? And yeah, the majority of them have no idea whatsoever. So yeah, definitely made those guys in the shop. Um, made their life a little bit more difficult. Well, I always tell people, take a photo of your equipment and show them mm-hmm. the photo with showing the model numbers. Yeah. Because then if they're not familiar with it, they can look it up. Yes. I mean, um, oh, calcium hardness. Sorry, I got sidetracked. Um, It can put calcium deposits on the ionizer electrodes. Um, In in regards to the um, the longevity of the um, um, the copper and silver rods, would they roughly be the same as the cell? It seems to be approximately the same. Mm-hmm. But on some of these, they're really not cheap to replace. Right. I mean, some of them, the chlorinator cell is over $1,000, and then the ionizers can be several hundred. So that's something when a customer buys an ionizer off me, I'll say, look, let's look at the long-term costs as well. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to do is build up the business and in five, ten years' time have a customer come up to me and say, hang on, I didn't know it was going to cost this much. Yes. And give me a bad name. Yep. So uh, reputation's everything. Uh, Would you find that the um, the client saves 
a good good proportion of money in chemical usage. You know, for the you know four, five, six, seven years um, until they need to purchase um, you know a new cell or new ionizers. Well, they still need the normal balancing chemicals. They still need mm. acid, although not as yep. much with a full chlorine pool because there's not as much electrolysis taking place. Um, yes. They don't have to buy chlorine. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing is the convenience of not having to add chlorine. I know you can always say the chlorine tablet feeders uh, are another alternative. Uh, I have worked with just a couple of those, but you tell people, I always tell people anyway, alternate between using your tablets for, say, three months, then switch to your liquid chlorine or calhypo because you don't want those cyanurates building up too much. Yes. Uh, I had one customer who, actually, here's an interesting interesting one, uh, had one customer that used trichlor and copper sulfate tablets, or one tablet containing both. And they'd used them for about five or six years straight. And the only solution for that pool was to drain, refill. Mm-hmm. Drained about three quarters of the water. It was a vinyl line pool, so I didn't want to empty it completely. Right. But um, yeah, that was that had three other technicians out there. None of them could solve the uh, the problem. And fortunately, I'd seen that before, but never to that extent. Signages were up in the hundreds. So, uh, you know, a few hundred parts per million. So yeah, that add more tablets to increase the, chlor- the free chlorine, but, of course, they're increasing cyanuric with it. So it's just an exponential yes. exponential increase. Mm. Mm. It's a recipe for disaster. That it is. Yeah. So, so you were saying in, um, in regards to your regular clients um, that have the ionizers, they mm. are... Um, the frequency for yourself, are they two week leads? No, most monthly. Monthly servicing most. is the main trend here. Oh, really? Uh, I've got some customers go fortnightly. Weekly yes. service is normally if the house is on the market to be sold and they want it looking yep. good for inspection at any time. Uh, commercial pools, I was actually speaking with Heather about this. Uh, commercial pools will need testing one, two, three, or four times a day, depending on what what class of uh, uh, commercial aquatic facility it is, alternate mm-hmm. usage numbers and bather load and the size of pool and all that. Yes. Uh, you know, a, a hydrotherapy pool in a exclusive health clinic won't need to be the same, have the same level of testing as your public pool, which has got, you know, 300 school groups coming in each day all peeing and crapping in the water. They do. We all know it. (laughs) We all do. (laughs) Well, I I once peed in a pool. Damn, lifeguard blew his whistle so loud I almost fell in. (laughs) That one never gets old. So, um, yeah, you were saying that the, uh, the majority of your clients are monthly? Yeah. Residential. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Look, I just tell them, like I said before, we've just got to, you've just got to test the water between times. Add, I give them an estimate of how much uh, hydrochloric acid, for example, they'll need to add. I'll yes. leave the drum uh, or the five litre bottle, uh, let's add a gallon and a quarter roughly. Uh, I'll sell them one of those to leave there. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know what strength the asset is. Uh, here we get it either 14, 28, or 32%. 28%? Totally. Yeah. 32% is normally used for brick cleaning, so not really something we normally use in a pool. Right. 28% the, um, is the standard. In, yeah, 28 here. It used to be, I think it was 33 when I first started in the industry, and then they seem to have... Um, they knocked it down to the um, high 20s. You can't see yeah. it in the 30s anymore. And 14% was originally made for acid injection systems. Oh, interesting. Because a lot of these systems will say, uh, make sure you dilute your hydrochloric yes. acid so it doesn't damage the tubing as quickly and so forth. Mm-hmm. My view is I don't want a customer there trying to pour acid from a 20-litre or 5-gallon drum into another yep. because they spill that stuff. They're going to cause injury, damage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's much more convenient to have that done at the chemical facility mm. bring it out as a sealed container. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, oh, I need to look into that and speak to my uh, chemical suppliers about 40%. See if they don't yeah. do that over here. That's a very good idea. Yeah. Uh, a couple of my suppliers at the moment can't actually get 28%, so it's all 14%. Oh, really? So you're paying, customers are paying almost twice as much for their acid mm. because it's half the strength. Uh, fortunately, here we charge for the service plus chemicals. So yes. we don't include chemicals in the price of cost <coughs> of service, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of companies out there do, but I know of a couple of technicians there who really skimp on the chemicals they put in. I'm not going to name names. They know who they are, but I've seen pools with almost no alkalinity, almost, you know, uh, calcium hardness around the 30, 40 parts per million marks. Uh, How on earth is that balanced? The water's that corrosive, and Mm. customers complain about skin irritation. I was at a job yesterday, actually. A client called me up saying that his um, his cell isn't producing anymore. Um, Went around there, did probably come into the end of its life. It was about four years old. Um, but I checked his water balance as well, and his calcium was probably 20, 25 parts per million. Yep. Um, explained to him, you know, that you need quite a bit of calcium in here. He said, oh, since I've had the pool um, and I've been taking my water to this specific testing shop, they've not once told me that I needed to add calcium into the water, which I could not believe. So, yeah, it, it seems to be. Uh, it happens in a lot of places, unfortunately. I don't know why it does that. I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to make more money selling the product when the pool needs it as well. Yeah. Um, I down to education as well. I'm not too sure. I had a customer a few weeks ago and his uh, chlorinator was, was not working. His cell was completely um, uh, starting to perish, uh, quite badly corroded from the corrosive water. Uh, he ended up getting a new chlorinator as well because the um, the old board had, had blown um, or, or been damaged. Mm. Salt level at one point, he was telling me he'd been told uh, 43,000 litre pools, so what's that, 17,000, 18,000 gallons. Mm. Uh, the pool shop had once told him to put 20 bags, 20 kilo bags, 20 of them of salt into his pool. So his salt level would have been 
you know, well over 10,000 parts per million. This poor chlorinator just couldn't cope with it. It was just overheating and, wow. and really struggling. So I got that all fixed up. Uh, but he was telling me when I said, look, you need to add calcium. He said, oh, the guy at the pool shop I go to, I've been going there for years. And he says, no, you don't test calcium on a on a fiberglass pool. I said, look, it's, it's not just about the pool surface. It's about the people in it. Mm. And yet again, another customer who told me, gee, since you put that stuff in, the water feels so much nicer to swim in. Yeah, I, I said, I stopped it trying to dissolve you. Water will dissolve stuff. That's in its nature. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, he's happy. Then he bought a robotic cleaner off me, which is quite nice. Oh, there you go. Cha-ching. Hmm. And he's only five minutes from home, so it's even better. So, but, um, so you're saying your services are normally fortnightly. Yeah, yeah. That seems to be um, a more popular um, frequency of service that I've, I've noticed. And, um, hmm. you know, the two, the two jobs I, were, I, I was working for previously coming into the summer, Change them over to uh, two weeklings. Um, you got you got a handful of four weeklings still that didn't want to change over. Mm. Um, you know, same same as you, they would need to keep keep an eye on the water in between visits. Um, but as as for our company, yeah, two weekly seems to be a lot more popular. Um, commercial side, obviously, a lot more frequent. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, two weekly come to the end of the season usually around easter time starts cooling down uh people mm. think about turning their heat pumps off or you know kind of wrapping it up the winter that's when and then they ring you a week before christmas saying my pool's green i need it fixed ready for christmas <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes. all too often one thing i do yeah. with the servicing i'm encouraging an increasing number of customers to go with the monthly full service but then in between, have us come out and just do a chemistry check, which mm-hmm. saves them a bit of money. And it also means, look, we tell them to test their water each week and to add acid or whatever's needed, typically just acid. Yeah. And I reckon that 90% of them don't. <laughs> oh, the test results don't lie. When it jumps up, when I leave it at 7.5 pH and a month later it's up around, you know, over 8.5 you yeah. know that they're not adding a bit of acid each week. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other option, of course, is a pH probe with uh, acid mm-hmm. injector. Uh, but again, it's funny. You hear a lot of people say, oh, that's a lot of money to spend on that. I can add it easily, manually, but forget to do it yeah. or not bother or think, oh, the water, the water looks good. We've all heard Rudy at the start of every episode. You can't tell... What condition the water is just by looking at it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, no, fun and games in the pool industry. <laughs> Do you find that um, uh, pH dosing systems are very, very popular over there as well? You were saying that the um, saltwater chlorinators and mineral systems are very popular in Western Australia. Yeah, about 95% of my pools are salt or, or some variation thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. I have to look it up. I think it's around 3% uh, chlorine injection systems. Right, okay. Um, Big problem, though, with customers who bought the pool or bought the system having been told, this will take care of all the chemistry. You set it and leave it and never have to touch a thing. Uh, We see that a lot. A few times as well, yes. Mm. It seems to be um, 
mostly for clients have just had a pool installed. Um, you know, they've had it for three, four, five months. They didn't need to get somebody in. You go there, you explain everything to them, and they, they usually come around with, um, well, the people that sold the pool to us said, we don't need to do anything. You know, it takes care of itself. So I've yet to see a pool like that myself. <laughs> Same as when people talk about to... chemical-free pools. <laughs> When people say to me, oh, do you know anything about chemical-free pools? I say, yes, there's a technical term for that. We call it a swamp. (laughs) It's a pond over here. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Again, it's the lack of ethics in some of these salespeople. Uh, They should be, if, if they want to grow their business, if they want to build trust and rapport with their customers, be honest with them. Uh, There was a case a few years ago amongst pool builders here, a group of pool builders, where they had so many problems with sales reps telling their customers that it takes care of all the chemicals and they don't need to do a thing. Pools were going green, pools were Mm. going cloudy, water was irritating to, to swimmers. And a couple of the major manufacturers of these ORP and pH dosing systems or testing systems actually sent out formal letters to the industry saying, if we hear any more comments like this, we're going to stop supplying. Stop supplying that particular builder. Yes. Yeah. I don't blame It was rife. It was a major problem. You still hear it all the time. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's sad. It really is sad. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, that was an interesting little chat on ionizers and Started the industry generally. It was. Let's think about something to talk about next next week. In the meantime, yeah. I hope you get something of a break this uh, this season. Uh, I think this episode will probably be aired after Christmas. Uh, we're just before now when we're recording. So you have a fantastic Christmas. Have a great New Year. I'll even have a beer for you. Oh, stop it, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> no, same to you. It's, um, yeah, I think it's after uh, this year where it's been absolutely crazy uh, still. So I think a well-deserved break is definitely on the books for a lot of people in this industry. So, mm. yeah. Are you breaking between, uh, having a break between Christmas and New Year or working those? No, um it, we will be working in between just for those few days. I think it's yeah. three days that we're going to be working just for the regular clients. But um, it got me thinking after our last conversation that you were talking about that you're trying to get everybody, squeeze everybody in mm. just before Christmas, and that will give you a bit of a break then just just for service work if it comes in. Um, this is something that I need to think about going forward in the next year, the following years. So, yeah, it's always good to have a break. And uh, I think I would appreciate probably a week or two off, you know, Mm. going forward, but we'll see how we get on. It would be nice. Mm, Definitely. Get to actually see the the kids and spend some time with them. Exactly, yeah. It's been crazy uh, lately. Uh, To put it in a very Australian way, I've been running around like a blue-ass fly. That's going to have people scratching their heads. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, you have a good one. 
Uh, it's you evening too, over yeah. there where you are, so um, you have a good night. Thank you. Six o'clock, beer o'clock now. Beer o'clock, I've still got a couple of jobs to get to, so uh, let's knock those on the head. Yeah, well, All right. Peter, it's been a pleasure. You take As always, care. likewise. Thank you take you. care. Bye-bye. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People, for the Pool People, by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 